0: I was watching MTV in 1984 when I thought this could have been the greatest video of all time. Um, Never had a teacher quite like the video uh, from Van Halen. Wish I did. Also has, without a doubt, one of the greatest opening drums, uh, solos, and guitar riffs you'll ever hear in your entire life. It is a a very uh, classic tune and uh, part of the... 2023 music uh, bed collection here on Sports Talk, bringing back some of the classics with you here, along with Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplow. It's good to have you back. 600 ES Piano Paso is our home. That's where we reside each and every afternoon from 4 to 7 or 4 to 6 or 4 to whenever there's a sporting event that's local. Simply put, we go three hours a day unless there's a UTEP or Chihuahuas broadcast that takes us a little earlier than normal. But we'd love to uh, spend our afternoons with you here on uh, 600 ESPN El Paso online at 600ESPNELPASO.com. Our free mobile app powered by First American Bank. You can connect to us on the phones, 505-6009. You can connect to us on Twitter at 600 ESPN El Paso. You can connect with us by chatting on our mobile app where you can listen to the program, as I mentioned a moment ago. Uh, we got a great show for you today as well. This is going to be fun because we are going to spend uh, part of our 5 o'clock hour today with the brand new coach, or technical director, I should say, of El Paso Locomotive FC. That's right. Brian Klarhot going to join us uh, coming up here at 5 o'clock. In fact, he was just introduced at a press conference about an hour ago. So excited about having the third technical director in the uh, program's young history, because it's very young. We're only in, what, season five, I think? That's right, yeah.
1: Very very uh, early into this process with the Locomotive FC, I believe, See, You know
0: what's also really cool? This is season five. And it's season 10 for your El Paso Chihuahuas.
1: What a cool milestone right there for both organizations
0: to celebrate under the Mountain Star umbrella. I agree with you. And they're always within that perfect five year period. So when Mountain Stars or when Chihuahuas celebrate uh, 15, they're celebrating 10, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. It's terrific.
1: Maybe uh, something else will come out. Uh, Maybe a a new team, maybe like a pickleball team or something like Ah. that at the 15 year mark.
0: You're talking about the PB, uh, the PP, uh, PPBL. Yeah, the maybe professional yeah. pickleball league.
1: Yeah, maybe Mountain Star can do something like that. and that invest in a league there.
0: You know, I went to a sporting goods store a couple of days ago, and I was just curious. Now they've got more pickleball uh, rackets than they do uh, tennis rackets these days. Oh man,
1: I'm telling you, the park by my place there's a pickleball. uh, There's, I mean, like tennis courts, right? But there is pickleball going on Saturdays, Thursday evenings, Friday evenings. Like it is popping on the west side. Yes, like I drive past and I'm always thinking I need to get involved in this. I love that.
0: I love that. Pickleball looks like a blast. Yeah, it does. I need to pick it up. So I think so, too. I think we should start doing media pickleball leagues around the city of El Paso. We've had media basketball leagues, which haven't been around in forever. We've had media softball leagues, which also haven't been around in a while. Maybe we need the media pickleball. Uh, league.
1: Very trendy right now. You can get a, yes. a good group of people. We could go radio group here and uh, uh team up with people from KLAQ and KISS. That's and, right. Uh, Against and, yeah. the T V All Stars. I like that. And maybe some uh we can get some publications, some other media outlets out there. And yeah, we could do the um,
0: we could do El Paso Inc. and El Paso Times. We could do El Paso Matters. Ooh, okay. Uh we get everybody going. That'd be good. I like that little this. Uh, pickleball association around here. Be
1: perfect. I think this is I think we're on to something, Steve. You this think, is good uh, stuff.
0: Do you think we're gonna get ourselves into a pickle?
1: Yeah, I like that, and you then do? and then maybe we could do this at our pickle party.
0: Maybe so. That's right, Brad. If you're listening, you know how they haven't come up with pickleball at the pickle party is beyond I me. I
1: know, I know. We, They've we got need enough to do space that. out
0: there at Epic. They could build a little pickleball court
1: yeah our um, and for people who are who have no clue what we're talking about we we're talking about our pickle party that we hosted last year uh, as part of KLAQ and 600 ESPN will pass along with Town square media yep. we need to do it this year pickle uh, a pickleball game at the pickle party
0: I think so too I like that idea I hope he's listening I hope me the bo- I hope the boss is listening yeah, you never too. you never know I know he tunes in from time to time uh Jay is gonna to join us talk a little baseball here uh, next segment. And then uh, following Sports Center at the bottom of the hour, we've got uh, so much more to get to. Again, new uh, head coach, technical director, El Paso Locomotive FC, will join us in our 5 o'clock hour. And we'll take you all the way up till 7 o'clock tonight. Looking forward to the three-hour extravaganza on 600 ESPN El Paso. Uh, we've given you the phone numbers. We've given you the ways to connect to the show. Let's talk about the big stories. Uh, last night, the men winning in basketball. It wasn't good early. 19 to 5 they were down. My goodness, I when I saw the way they started, I thought to myself, uh-oh, this could be rock bottom. And then they went on a good run of their own, and before you know it, into the half, it was a very tight, competitive game, and the Miners did what they should have done. They're a better team. Uh, you know, on the floor, talent, personnel, and they came out and they played terrific uh, in the second half, and they made free throws down the stretch, which was so important for this team.
1: We alluded to it yesterday. Actually, you alluded to it, Steve. Uh, maybe some late game free throws at the one minute thirty second mark. Calvin Solomon, who uh, we we've uh, documented this pretty pretty much all across sports talk and minor talk, has struggled in late game situations executing free throws, and last night he made two free throws in a row. They were like. Uh, very clutch free throws for this team to yeah. set them over the top against UTSA. Look, when they were down 19-5, to I was, th- you know, UTEP fans were pushing all sorts of panic buttons. Uh, the uh, atmosphere uh, in the Haskins Center was very flat. The team looked flat. And then they subbed the entire bench, which gave them a little bit of a spark early on into the game. UTEP ends up rallying off a 19-2 to run on their side, and they take the lead in the first half and never really look back. I know that uh, second half, it, there were some points where where UTSA started to cut the lead and come close. But uh, you got to give a lot of credit to this UTEP team for battling back early and sustaining the lead and then uh, closing it out in the right way late in the game. They even covered, Steve, that 10.5 points. They covered that, which was crazy to think, uh, knowing that late in the game, UTSA was uh, kind of in a punch. uh, Like They were within distance. Mm -hmm. They were close. They were closing in on UTEP.
0: I never expected it. Not in my wildest imagination. No, never thought that would happen.
1: Ten and a half after being down nineteen to five early on.
0: I know it's crazy. It's but it happened. It's a reality uh, in this situation. So yeah, you're right, hundred percent. But you know what? Once again, congratulations, uh, Miners. Are able to get the win. We've got awards to give out, uh, especially our um, hot hand of the game for every game. Brought to you by Wind Supply El Paso, and our Player of the Game. Brought to you by Keith Southwest. First off, how was minor talk last night?
1: It was very interesting. It was, a, I think, a more quiet uh, minor talk than we've uh, had in the past, which is interesting. Why? Because they won? Yeah, they won. Is a Wednesday. I think people are also waiting for them to beat a quality opponent in Conference USA. UTSA, bottom of the barrel in this league. I'm not taking anything away from the win from the minors. I think fans just want to see a little bit more. And last night at the Haskins Center, kind of a quiet night, you know, uh, whether it was the delay that may have deterred some people from actually entering the Haskins Center uh, early on, which didn't delay the game time, just delayed the gates being open. Um, or if it was just the fact that it was a weeknight game, uh, for whatever reason, just a little quiet at the Haskins Center tonight, uh, last night. Yep. It, it's to be expected, a Wednesday night game, I get it. Uh, and so now I look to the next home game, which is Thursday, uh, January 19th against FIU. Maybe get a better uh, crowd there, but the crowd that you want uh, a lot of people to go to, Saturday, January 21st. UTEP hosting the best team in conference USA Florida Atlantic
0: yeah that's a monster and and by the way nobody even knows about Florida Atlantic you'll know about them when you see them on the on the 21st that's for sure line ringing in or they were ringing in not anymore 505-6009 that is our telephone number uh here as we continue on the show um I think they had 3,700 for the game I can't remember the last time they announced a the crowd in the three thousands for a conference game. Um, I know Utah is leading the league, or at least they were leading the league. But and I know it's a Wednesday, and I know they're coming off of four straight losses. I get all that, but it's also weird, weird seeing um, you know less than. Four or five thousand uh, announced at a basketball game,
1: right? Because this is UTEP basketball we're talking about. This is uh, when we're talking about this athletic program. Everybody loves this basketball team, and they have the basketball fan diehards out there. And when it comes to our show for Minor Talk, I feel like the buzz is at an all-time high when basketball season starts. So even last night's uh, quiet night for Minor Talk was a bit of a surprise to me and Sal. We were talking about it yeah. off air. Maybe the fact that they came off, uh, they're coming off that four-game losing streak, uh, just has fans a little down right now.
0: Maybe, but you know what? Uh, We've talked about it a lot. We'll keep talking about it. You've got to motivate fans to come. You got to get them there. You got to sell them of the sizzle, Adrian. That's so important.
1: That's right. And it's not just about the opponent they play, but just about your on-court play itself. Like uh, U-Tip's just got to uh, sh- uh, string along some wins. If they split this weekend, I think that bodes very well for them coming back home next week. And uh, having that Saturday marquee matchup against FAU, that's a huge one. Florida Atlantic coming next week. They're ranked 43 by Ken Palm, so, mm. highest team in, by Conference USA. And they're coming off an overtime victory last night. Against uh, Florida International,
0: yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, this comes from Minor Eddie Mack. Good job by both teams. How's the women's team? Uh, where are they going? Um, North Texas transfer is consistent. Well, first off, the women are doing terrific. They really are. They have, I mean, they have put it together this season and they've built a nice little roster and they're winning games and they're doing exactly what they need to. And while we spend so much time talking about the men. Uh, let's be honest the women right now are getting it done and doing it in impressive fashion and uh, Adrian this is a good story too because they're four and one in Conference USA they're 11 and three overall and uh, Jackson again 19 points Enrique 15 points and the Miners uh, you know held on to get the win uh, granted UTSA not having a good year at all. Uh, we know that. This is not one of the top teams in the league. But uh, either 3-11, and 1-4 in Conference USA. But... You still need to win these games, and they did. Might not have been a 30-point blowout, but it was a 7-point win. And anytime you're UTEP, you'll take these road victories.
1: Yes, yeah, you said it best. Uh, it's on the road. Miners go on the road against UTSA and win. And, yeah, you mentioned that record that UTSA has. They're th- their 3-11 and overall. But they probably have the best player, if not one of the best players, in Conference USA on the women's side in Jordan Jenkins. She dropped mm-hmm. 37-11 last night, Steve. She's a, she's a killer. She's a monster uh, for the Utsa team,
0: you know UTEP had a Jordan Jenkins. It's not the same really? one, is it?
1: No, I don't think it's the same one.
0: Because the Jordan Jenkins I knew had a, had a knee injury and ended up uh, ended up leaving the program after her freshman year.
1: I, I don't know the um, path that Jordan Jenkins on Utsa took, uh, but I don't think it's the same one. But I I, I can't tell you whether or not that's a fa- she was a forward. Uh, no, USC. It's this, okay, this is this was
0: different. Same name. This is a. This was a point guard they had
1: years yeah. ago. Okay, so. I got you. Yeah, she uh, Jordan Jenkins on UT mm. uh, UTSA came from USC.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. That's pretty good. By the way, Rice will be the opponent uh, Saturday. I'm surprised. I thought Rice would be good this year. They're one in four in conference USA. Play ten and four overall. So the Miners have a chance to, to beat, uh, you know, a good Rice, uh, well, usually a pretty good Rice team with the overall record just struggling in conference. But once again, the game I'm, I'm looking at down the road is Middle Tennessee. That is the team that always seems to uh, give, you know, UTEP fits when they've played. And the Miners will host Middle Tennessee on uh, Thursday, February the 2nd. And then oh, wow. I think that's going to be a monster game.
1: Yeah, I feel like, uh, and just going back real quick on that Rice game. I know that the Owls have the record that they do, but they actually beat the Miners earlier this year in Houston, sixty-two fifty-three. Mm-hmm. So Miners have to kind of you know try to split the series here uh, this Saturday when they host Rice. And then they got that Charlotte game right around the corner on Monday. So quick turnaround for UTEP. Uh, like you mentioned, Middle Tennessee is definitely the one to look forward to, and that's a home matchup on a Thursday in February second.
0: Terrific stuff. We'll talk more UTEP later in the show. But up next, Jay Jaffe baseball and beer coming up after charlie won who has this traffic update baseball and beer here on sports talk with this man he joins us each week from fangraphs to offer up his thoughts on uh the sport of baseball which heated up again with the carlos correa signing to the twins he's jay jaffe for our weekly chat jay welcome back and uh, first, we thought Carlos Correa was a giant. Then he was a Met. Now he's a Minnesota twin, and maybe this is the spot where a lot of baseball fans were kind of hoping he ended up in the first place because he was there last season. They wanted him to stay, and now they they give him a six-year deal, and, and maybe it works out for everybody.
2: Yeah, it's certainly been a whirlwind for, for, for Correa. Uh, ends up taking a lot less guaranteed money, um, probably comes out behind uh, when, it's all, uh, when it's all said and done, although uh, his salaries up front at least will be um, you know, higher on an annual basis. Um, I suppose there's a possibility he, get, he gets out of this deal because of a glitch, but ends up uh, rebounding and getting an, another bigger deal that more, that more or less makes it up.
0: Uh, news came down today that the Dodgers officially released Trevor Bauer. In fact, they will pay him over $21 million since they were not able to trade him after he was DFA'd. Uh, before, this is a two-part question. So before we talk about if you think any team will add him, uh, let's talk about the fact that the Dodgers did this in the first place. I know fans were split on what they wanted to do with Bauer. Are you, uh, do you think the organization made the right move?
2: I don't think the Dodgers should have signed him in the first place, given the well-documented history of all the times that he had harassed women online via social media. Um, he seemed like a fairly toxic personality to begin with. His signing didn't sit well uh, with many fans. Um, releasing him, I think, was was the obvious move, while he has not been convicted of anything, uh, you know, in in criminal court, um, he did, uh, in the eyes of Major League Baseball, do enough to merit the longest suspension under the uh, domestic violence policy since it was introduced in 2015. And some of the details that we've seen uh, via the media in terms of um, at least one or two of the other cases that have been out there, other other complaints out there. Uh, there, there's some pretty nasty stuff so um, i can understand the dodgers wanting to distance themselves from them now i don't think they get to be the heroes here they're eating like i said uh, 21 or 22 million and um, you know it comes at a time when they're trying to cut payroll too and and uh, it's going to result in a less competitive team so they're they're taking a hit for this uh, on multiple levels and and i think they deserve
0: it I don't disagree. So the question uh, that now needs to be asked is, do you think there will be another team out there that won't be afraid to try and uh, gamble on Bauer and add him uh, to their team?
2: You know, there's a, there's probably a, a team out there that will. Although uh, this what Bauer did on the way out, uh, I think maybe rubbed uh, some potential suitors the wrong way. Um, you know, he claimed that the Dodgers told him, uh, that they were that they were willing to to uh, uh, to take him back, and then the, the, that was the day before he was actually released. So uh, it, that seems highly unlikely, given the way things unfolded. Um, you know, and and I don't think there's anybody out there other than the uh, most sniveling Bauer fanboys who believes uh, that that the Dodgers you know suddenly changed their minds overnight after waiting. Uh, the entire time until the day before they had to make a decision to actually speak to him. Um, so I think other teams will look at that and say, you know what, this guy's toxic. Uh, he didn't. He hasn't done anything to indicate any kind of remorse. In fact, he's countersuing uh, one of one of the uh, uh, complainants. And uh, you know, this he's he should have better things to do with his time uh, and and have better sense. Uh, to move on from this, now that he's uh, you know gotten through the suspension part, but instead he's doubling down and and uh, I saw there was an ESPN article uh, where multiple scouts and executives uh, said that they didn't think that any any team would bite. It only takes one. I, I thought that the Reds would be uh, an obvious place for him to go back to, um, you know, since he since he won a Cy Young with them. Uh, there in 2020 and since they don't have much at stake competitively this year and might be able to flip him mid-year but um you know he may have poisoned the well there too uh with the way that he handled uh uh his reinstatement
0: jay jaffe from fangraphs.com as uh, we continue here on the program um this is a sneaky move. I want to ask you about it because of the El Paso Chihuahuas being the Triple-A affiliate of the Padres. Uh quick take on the $1 million deal Nelson Cruz received uh, with the Pods.
3: Uh
0: there's
2: no downside here. Um Cruz had a rough year. He's 42 years old. Uh but, you know, for $1 million, um uh, you know, on a one-year deal, <coughs> certainly see, you know worth seeing uh, if there's anything left in that bat, and uh, you know there's there's a there's enough flexibility in that lineup, I think to give him uh, some playing time there. And if you you know if you have to cut him, you have to cut him. Um, you know the Padres, I think, uh, uh, had had good reason to try this. So uh, I, I like the move.
0: I I agree with that. I, I wonder if he'll get the majority of the at bats, or could we possibly see him maybe in a platoon split at this stage in his career.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I think it'll that'll depend what their what their final final roster looks like, and I don't know that they're necessarily done making moves. I think, you know, his production will will tell us if he's <clears throat> if he's hitting well. Uh, you know, they'll give him as much playing time, but uh, if he turns out to be just a uh, you know a lefty masher, um, I think that'll that'll be okay too. There isn't an obvious uh, left-handed bat unless you're talking about Matt Carpenter uh, to fit with him in a DH platoon. Um, they've got Carpenter currently uh, is the presumptive uh, starting left fielder. So maybe if they add another outfielder or uh, shuffle things around a bit. Um, actually, t- I take that back. Uh, once Fernando Tatis comes back, um, maybe, uh, you know, and they fit him into the outfield, maybe Carpenter it, it becomes a Matt Carpenter, uh, Nelson Cruz platoon. But uh, um, they've got some time to figure that out.
0: I agree with you. Uh, Jay, let's talk about also – some of the other news, because there's uh, plenty uh, that's been happening. I mean, free agency is kind of quieted down, but there's still, you know, more guys getting uh, getting opportunities. Um, Justin Turner to the Red Sox, signing a two-year contract. So let's assume now he takes over the designated hitter role in Boston. Could this be a uh, a good landing spot for him?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, Fenway Park is a good place uh, for for hitters in general. <clears throat> it was interesting. It was, you know. Um, Turner and J.D. Martinez switched spots. Um, you know, Turner signed with the Red Sox and Martinez signed with the Dodgers, uh, the latter on a one-year deal. I wouldn't have made that trade if I was the Dodgers. Um, Justin Turner's a much better hitter uh, than than J.D. Martinez at this stage of his career, even though Martinez is younger. Turner has more defensive utility. He could play a solid uh, to above-average third base, whereas Martinez is, is basically a D.H. caliber guy at this point. You know, and coming off of a a rough season, I think you know Turner will help. But I mean, that Red Sox roster right now is just uh, you know a mess, uh, given the loss of Xander Bogarts and and uh, um, the uncertainty in the rotation, and uh, um, now uh, the fact that Trevor Story could miss the entire season with uh, surgery to repair his uh, UCL.
0: I'm happy you're taking a deep dive into the 2023 20, uh, uh, Hall of Fame ballot, I should say, the 2023 Hall of Fame ballot, because you've looked at guys over the last three days that otherwise would not get very many write-ups in any capacity. Matt Kane, J.J. Hardy, and Johnny Peralta. You also took a look uh, less than a week ago at Andre Ethier. Uh, again, these are players on the ballot, and uh, although... Uh, it could be the only year they're on the ballot with maybe a, an, an exception or two, depending on, you know, how many uh, how many percentage points a guy like Matt Kane gets. Uh, it's good that you're reviewing some of these players because they had nice careers, just not Cooperstown careers.
2: Yeah, this is actually a part, a part of the process that I really enjoy. Um, Van Graf's has let me stretch out and, and, and devote space to these players who have no chance of being elected, and most of them I don't even think will get even more than a token vote. Um, the Matt Cain one was pretty special, I think, because uh, uh, not only did he play a significant part in in, uh, in the Giants' uh, first two titles of the two, of the 2010s uh, decade, um, he played a very significant role in the way that FanGraphs calculates wins above replacement. Because uh, our pitching uh, our, our pitching stats, we use a uh, uh, pitcher's pop up rate um, as as part of his value, despite uh, focusing on on uh, uh, the, uh, the defense, uh, independent outcomes. Uh, and Kane really helped us to understand, uh, you know, the, the link between, uh, the skill of generating pop-ups and, uh, consistency of, of run prevention and, and suppressing batting average on balls in play. So he really left a statistical legacy that goes beyond his performance. He helped us to, uh, enhance our understanding of baseball. That's a pretty cool legacy. Um, Right now, working on Jared Weaver's profile. Very interesting career there. There's some really interesting guys. I mean, one of my favorite pieces from last year was was uh, uh, the one and done profile of AJ Pierzynski. Um, you know, classic, you know, uh, wrestling heel type player, and a lot of fun to go back and and uh, um, find some of the stories that that, that uh, teammates and opponents. Uh, told about him so I really do enjoy this part and, and, and readers seem to enjoy it as well so it's fun.
0: All up at fangrafts.com. Take us home this week Jay your beer selection of the week is?
2: Okay this is one that I got over the holidays uh, from Threes this is a collaboration with uh, Hudson Valley Brewery it's called Future Reference and this is the beer I actually was drinking when I filled out my Hall of Fame ballot uh, it's a dark lager uh, with some sweetness to it, uh, a little bit of chocolatey uh, taste to it. It was it was almost like a porter, uh, very drinkable, uh, kind of roasty. Um, the ABV I think was just something like 4.8 percent, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, 4.8 percent went down easily. Uh, really enjoyed this one from Threes, and uh, uh, I don't expect that it's going to be around much longer. I'll have to see if I can score another four pack.
0: Excellent stuff as always. Jay, appreciate the conversation. We'll look forward to doing it again with you right back here next week.
2: All right, sounds great.
0: From Jay Jaffe, right back over to Adrian Broadus, standing by with another bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Thanks, Adrian. As we keep things moving, let's go to Gator Richard. He joins us next from the east side of town. Go Gators! What's going on, man?
4: Hey, go Gators. How'd you like that prediction last week? Yeah, you yeah, you should
0: just call yourself uh, Swami Richard from now on.
4: Well, I told you 13.5 point spread was ridiculous. It should have at least double or triple that. But, I mean, what do I know about football? I don't know. Yeah, so, no,
0: that's true. Uh, it, you know what? It, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I did give you props the day after the game. I said, uh, you know what? You, you told everybody on this show you had it. I, I was the first person I referenced on Tuesday was you.
4: <laughs> All right, I didn't catch that part. But of I course, I of course you in. didn't. Of
0: course you didn't. But that's <laughs> but,
4: but that's well, okay. really I didn't. But but hey, uh, I, I had another uh, another take on these these NFL types. Yeah, that I mean, grown men, okay, like crying on TV. It upsets me. It's, like, not natural, okay? And I get it, like, when, when Damler got hurt, that Hamlin kid yeah. got hurt on the field. Okay, oh, that, that.
0: Damar Hamlin, you can understand, right? He, you know, he was fighting for his well, life for a week, right? You well, got that.
4: I, that, to, me, that, to me, NFL E, right, E for entertainment, I mean, people got upset when, you know, Ox Baker used to punch people in the chest and then they'd flop around on the mat, you know, like a fish, because everybody, you know, thought they were dying with the heart punch.
0: Now, let me ask you this, okay? Serious question. You served our forces, correct? Years ago, you were there?
4: i I did thank
0: you for your service uh over thank the you. years were you ever in a situation where one of uh your brothers in arms uh was in a situation to where they were fighting for their life in a similar, you know similar spot either injured or something happened and they were it was a li- you know life or death situation did did you get emotional and start to cry at that point
4: no i did not you you got to keep your wits about you one you know mm-hmm. i mean you 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 control uh control the situation, if, if the stuff you want to do is, like, you know, he looks at you, you know, you, you got to be strong. You can't just be, like, you know, trying to say everything's going to be all right and you're, you know, crying like a little girl. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, the guy that uh, on the Green Bay Packers that got ejected from the game because he pushed a trainer, uh, you know, on the middle of the field. You, granted, you're not supposed to touch the players, we get that, but don't shove some guy trying to do his job, right? Correct, Especially correct. A, a week after, you know, that, that Damlar uh, Hamlin thing Not
0: Damlar, happened. it's uh, D- Damar Hamlin, that's his name. D- Damar, so. that's hey, it. Okay, uh,
4: so I, I just said, you know, hey, at some point, you know, these guys crying and getting all emotional, you know, you, know, you can be a man, you know, what movie? you
0: know anyhow all right appreciate the phone call that's richard today's upset he's upset about grown men crying and feels that they should be tough and and not uh, and not start shedding tears
1: he literally used DeMar Hamlin, who was fighting for his life, and Quay Walker, who stormed off the field in a temper tantrum, in the same sentence when trying to do this. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. There's there's times to be emotional. There's times when we can uh, you know excuse people to be uh, let their emotions get the best of them. And there's other times where, hey, when guys like Quay Walker want to throw a temper tantrum after doing something to his own fault on the field— that those are two different things. They're not even in the same sentence.
0: No, because in one, you're talking about players scared that somebody that they're playing with is about to die on the field, which has never happened other than once before with, a with uh, as someone we know, uh, a former UTEP minor, uh, Chuck Hughes, uh, and this would have been the second. And the other was when a player was in tears because he was thrown out of the game. Well, don't be so stupid. you are going to get tossed. That's all.
1: Right. Don't and lose your cool. Even if you're going into a press conference and somebody gets emotional, I don't fault players for that because it shows you that how passionate they are of winning if you're telling me that somebody's throwing a fit and getting mad because they're ejected and they start crying that's when yeah maybe you can raise some concerns there
0: yeah i agree with you listen i I, I still find it hard that if somebody and, and again um you know if somebody is fighting for their life and you're there watching them be attended to and you see the cpr and you see everything that's going on uh, it's hard not to be emotional in a situation like that.
1: Yeah, Richard has some uh, interesting takes, so to speak, on this show. But uh, that one right there, I'm just—I'm not taking right there. I'm, I'm going to have to shoot that one down right away.
0: I, I teed him up with the military question because I thought he would have told me that. Yeah. You know what? Maybe he did get emotional during some experiences over the years in battle when, uh, you know, his uh, you know his brothers were in a spot that uh, they were fighting for their lives or something worse. But no, he said he always held it together, never cried. All right. Well, everybody's different, right? Let's put it that way. Everybody is different.
1: Yeah, understand other people's emotions, too.
0: There you go. You have to be sympathetic. All right. I'm sure you'll be hearing from him later on this topic, Adrian. 20 in front of five as Sports Talk continues. Come back with more in a moment. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk. 48 now past the hour. Excited about... Brand new head coach, Brian Hoot going to be joining us, or Hott on the show. Talk to the third technical director and head coach in the history of El Paso Locomotive FC, top of our 5 o'clock hour. Should be a great conversation, and we're looking forward to that. I'm excited that Phil Wellman is on board running the Chihuahuas this year. We've got a couple of good ones for these two teams.
1: Definitely right on that, Steve. And it's just interesting that both, I mean, hey, we talked about both uh, organizations celebrating their respective milestone years. Also interesting, both uh, teams will be ran by somebody new this year. Uh, New manager for the El Paso Chihuahuas, new head coach and technical director for the El Paso Locomotive FC. Uh, Just kind of interesting, all the little similarities we're seeing between clubs.
0: I agree with you on that one uh, for sure, and we're looking forward to it. Let's give out awards from yesterday's minor talk, uh, presented by the Roscoe All Allstate Agency. Uh, UTEP with the win over UTSA. First, let's talk about our hot hand of the game.
1: Yeah, I felt like um, in the second half you could have given it to a lot of different players. Shamar Givens, uh, Calvin Solomon. I really liked his monstrous block late in the game, along with three uh, steals and also nine rebounds in this game. But hot hand in this one had to go to John Dosanjos for what he did in limited uh, playing time last night. Ten points, I think, in fourteen minutes of action. Four of five from the field, and also made a pair of three pointers. He banked one in as well. Uh, for Dosanjos, that's what you need from this basketball. Team, and uh, as a result, he's our hot hand of the game from this one.
0: I'm also excited and to hear that uh, Dos Anjos was okay at practice today. That was a concern because he didn't play in the second half because he aggravated an, an undisclosed injury. But apparently, felt good enough to practice, which gives us hope that we'll be able to see him uh, back in action on Saturday against Rice.
1: I feel like this coaching staff uh, is very conservative when it comes to their players Extremely. getting it, uh, injured in the middle of games and not rushing them back. They really adhere. To to what the players say uh, as far as their pain levels. And for uh, DeSanjos yesterday, maybe it was more precautionary. He was he received treatment uh, by the trainer to his knee at one point in the second half, and it looked like he wanted to go back in, but they probably just shut him down and said, hey, this is more precautionary than anything. We've got a long season ahead of us. I'm
0: with you on that, too. Um, and, and you know what? When you talk about the long haul, I mean, you need him for the next, really, uh, two and a half months. And what you're hoping is a chance to uh, to try to make a run in the tournament. That's the key.
1: That's right, and for uh, Dosanjos, he could be that stretch four for the miners down the line. And I don't think we've ever seen it this year. Uh, he uh, came onto the scene immediately, injured against Texas in game number one, missed significant time, and then has really only been coming back for the last uh, what seven to ten games at most. And uh, for Dosanjos, he has a shot. He can ha- he has a lot of offense to him. He just has to make sure that that knee is ready to go, and he's got conditioning right as well.
0: A hot hand to the game brought to you by Wind Supply the. Of- el paso work with a reliable wholesale hvac system supplier like wind supply you can count on them for top quality products fully stocked warehouse excellent customer service including master cool convair champion heating and cooling and ream you want to learn more about wind supply el paso go online windsupplyelpaso.com now time for our um keats southwest player of the game a lot of choices here who'd you go with
1: we could have gone with Tay Hardy's 15 points. Uh, he led the Miners. We could have even went with uh, a spark off the bench, uh, which was Mario McKinney or Otis Frazier, who uh, played some significant minutes in starting efforts. But we gave it to the point guard and Shamar Givens last night. 12 points, 4 of 10 from the field. I don't. I get it's not the best shooting night, but what he did late in the game to kind of seal it up for the Miners was admirable. Shamar Givens, uh, he had 12 points, second highest leading score for the Miners uh, and helped the Miners to victory last night.
0: Keats Southwest has been leading the industry in precision metal stamping since 1958 to offices in El Paso, along with Illinois and Mexico. They do it all from assemblies, brackets, bushings, clips, lead frames, metal stamping, shields, tooling, and wire forming. You want to learn more? Go online, keatssw.com. Uh, I know you had uh, a, a fun time being at the game. Zay was with you as well last night. Zay, welcome aboard. What was your takeaway from last night's minor win? Resilience. You know, they they went down early. They didn't they didn't back down
5: from the from the challenge of trying to come back. You know, they were they kind of got punched in the face early, and they responded great. You know, they had that big run, and down the stretch they executed right. They closed the game out perfectly. Right. You know, UTSA closed it uh, closed the gap to within two at one point and UTEP, you know, I was talking with somebody and I was like, are they even going to cover? Are they even going to win? And they did both. So it's, it's resilience. It's being able to do your job when, when nobody believes in you.
0: Guys, how important is making free throws down the stretch to this team's mental psyche when you've got uh, games coming up Saturday and Monday on the road?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question that you bring up, Steve. And even Joe Golding talked about it. The stretch of games that they have consecutively uh, is going to be grueling. Uh, they've got a Thursday-Saturday format next week after a Wednesday-Saturday-Monday format. And then they got have a little bit of a weekday break until they play North Texas on the road on saturday january 28th so just a tough stretch here in the month of january and it's going to have to really test this utep's basketball team's conditioning
0: one hour in the books hour two you're going to meet the brand new leader of el paso locomotive fc that's next the sports talk continues Two here on sports talk Along with Adrian Broadus, UTEP Zay, Steve Kaplowitz here, and uh, this is fun. We've got got someone here that a lot of El Pasoans are going to get excited about here because not uh, too long from now, it'll be Season 5. Can't believe it's Season 5 of El Paso Locomotive FC. In fact... We said it earlier, how interesting that the 10th anniversary of the Chihuahuas is the 5th anniversary of Locomotive FC. I think they did this purposely. I I really do. And if they did, uh, congratulations. If not, what a coincidence. Brian Hotz, the uh, new head coach of the club, and uh, he joins us here on the program. Welcome aboard, and uh, thanks for being here today.
6: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, Very excited times to be here. Um, So thanks a lot.
0: Is this about as far west as you've been so far in your life, or is there? No, some I've went out maybe
6: the southwest um but uh you know about out in california and stuff so i've been i've been around a bit
0: i hear you but um when it comes to yeah the southwest this is this unless you've been in phoenix or albuquerque uh there aren't too many other spots you possibly could be in right now so this is this is nice and you came during a perfect time of year right it's not too hot 65 degrees and sunny It's, uh, it's,
6: it's it's beautiful perfect i wish it was like this all year they're telling me it's not they say they say in uh june july we'll see how i adapt but um no, it's been good. It's been a big change from where I'm coming from, uh, so I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it waking up, uh, nice blue skies, sunny out. It's it's been good for me.
0: Yeah, you came from Sweden, correct? Yep. yep and yep. Uh, I'm heading to um, Copenhagen in about six months, seven months, okay. and uh, right there, neighboring Sweden. So I know the neighbor. I know the area. I know the part of the country. I know the weather for sure. So you have definitely uh, made a 180 in terms of uh, traveling. And uh, tell me about what Sweden was like for you the last few seasons
6: yeah, you know, um spent six, seven seasons there, uh, past season, uh, head coach in the top league uh, took over midseason when we were in last place, and I, I knew it was a uh, going to be a difficult assignment. Um, honorable assignment, first American coaching in all Svenska. Um, could not get it done, uh, get relegation uh, a year pr- previously with Gibson's Well get promotion. So that's a bit of, uh, a bit of the business over there in the football side in, in Europe. Um. So that's a little bit in the last few, these last two years. Wow.
0: Uh, As far as the fan base, what was that like?
6: Yeah, a lot of pressure. You know, this is uh, it's it's a bit different than America. That you know, there's no college basketball, college football. Uh, You got two sports. You got ice hockey and uh, soccer. That's true. And that's uh, what these guys care about. So a lot of fan pressure, um, a lot of passion, a lot of people in the stands going up against huge clubs. Uh, clubs competing in Champions League, like I said previously, clubs that are trying to get European spots, so a lot of pressure. Um, a main event, main event, a- NFL Sunday ticket, you know. Uh,
0: how many fans would come and watch uh, your club play uh, night in night? Uh, like when you had your home matches, what are we looking at fan-wise? I
6: don't know, 10, 15. It's and, a good crowd. And, you know, good good crowd. When we're playing the big teams, Malmo, uh, AIK, you know, then you're at 40s, you know, you're 40, 40 50,000.
0: But at the same time, it's funny because a lot of the people relate to European soccer like Ted Lasso. That's what they've seen. And for those that have never traveled to Europe, that's what they kind of relate to. Um, as an American, being the first American to cross over in Sweden, um, you weren't a football coach. You're a soccer coach, which is football there. Yep. But you tell me. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the show, but if you have, uh, are there some things that you could, you could relate to? I purposely didn't watch the show because of of
6: kind of the situation that I was in. So so I heard it was been a really good show. Um, I think uh, in my experience, you know, since I was there, I've come from the third level to the second level to the top level. I was pretty, you know, I wasn't really looked upon as okay, this American guy. I've I've I put my feet in the. In the ground there a, a little bit. For, yeah, you paid your dues. For, I paid my dues for a little bit, so it wasn't a guy just coming off the boat get, getting plugged in. Who the hell's this guy? Right. You know, I've had players that know friends that know different clubs, so it's a bit different. I set up a reputation there a little bit, um, so I established myself there in six seven years, as you would anywhere if you're there for six or seven years.
0: Outside of the grind, which was trying to win and avoid relegation, yep. uh, how was how'd you like the community? The fi- you know the, the how was how were the people and how how are you treated?
6: Yeah, I mean, you got to win, you know. So in, in in 2021, when we when we went up, the all got promoted, you're, you're a hero. And then uh, when things start to go bad, you know, the knives come out. That's the nature of the sport, and that's the nature of the business we're in. I was fortunate, fortunate enough to work for three different clubs, right? Three different clubs, three different levels at those clubs, three different fan bases, and three different locations. So I think the expectations are different with different clubs. I think uh, a little bit different from how the people are in the south and the north, um, so a little bit different experience throughout the years when I was there.
0: How'd they find you? That's my question. How did you find El Paso Locomotive FC? Who found who since here you are six, seven years in Sweden and uh, now you're in El Paso?
6: Yeah. You know, I, I, like, I think the key thing you said there, six, seven years in Sweden, right? Gone through different levels, grinded, you know, um, I needed a different change of environment. um, they had a consultant when they were looking to hire, as do normal businesses, right? They have consultancy that kind of looks this out. They reached out to me, and I said, you know what? This is pretty interesting. He kind of told me about the ownership group and, and their uh, their philosophy and their goals. And uh, then I had a conversation with Alan and Andrew, and uh, kind of just went from there. So that was really how it worked. How long since you've been back uh,
0: coaching in the States? Shoo. 2015, 2014. Okay. So it's been, it's been a little while. Now, uh, tell me what you've learned during those years in Sweden. If you really had to give me the top three things that your, your takeaways from your time overseas, uh, what would it be?
6: Yeah, I think I think tactically and managing ninety minutes. You know, I, I, I was fortunate enough to go against top top managers uh, that have coached in huge clubs. I've played against big big teams. Um, so tactically, I think I've been challenged. I think these guys have been sharp. I think in Europe. T- uh, in Sweden and and obviously in bigger leagues in Europe the tactics and how organized these teams are and how tactically efficient um, these coaches are and these teams are is a different level Um, so I think that and the intensity and what it takes to win Um, and that's a little bit more of my own personal uh, forte of what I'm about as well so I'm going to bring that and bring my experience of uh, like I said I've been on teams that win and I've been on teams that have uh not had success and because of different reasons. Um, but I'm going to try to bring uh the traits that the teams that do win into Locomotive.
0: Style-wise, do you like the idea of starting to implement a lot of the styles that either you used or they used against you in Swedish soccer here in the States will it translate over and will it play? Cuz that's I guess the better it's a, it's question. An
6: excellent question, you know, I was sitting with my staff today and they were showing me how locomotive is pressing on all the goal kicks and I go guys really is this like what you spend a lot of time in in, in this type of pressing I said, I said yeah you spend five minutes on this in Sweden I go you know I normally mid block get organized and they said no this is how we wanted to press like that and I said well you know what guys this is going to be a little bit of adjustment for me as well you know I have different ideas maybe the football is a little bit different maybe it's a little bit more tactical maybe it's not as much gun ho um, so so we had that conversation today and I, and I we will see you know that's why we got preseason games in terms of the style, I think John did a pretty good job in terms of uh, setting up uh, the structure. So for me, it's about implementing a few things that I believe in, and not wiping the slate clean. We need we don't have time to do that. We need we need to evolve from uh, last year.
0: It's a good point because you inherit a team that is going to be starting right around the corner. You you don't even have that much time. In fact. Before you know it, you, you need to get to know your team and personnel so well because in less than two months you're underway. That's just how things are going with exhibition matches and and, and how this season's going to get kicked off.
6: Yeah, it's a quick turnaround. Um, not only the players, but knowing my staff and what their roles are. Like I said, in this in this business where we're talking baseball, we're talking soccer, yeah. uh, American football. You know, you, you got to get to know your staff, and that's what I'm doing this week. Going to have individual talks with the players uh, next week.
0: And just try to hit the ground running as soon as possible. Brian Clarehaud with us here as we continue here on Sports Talk. All right. So you're inheriting an entire roster that's been built prior to your arrival. I don't even know. I saw one player that was just signed from Sweden. And yep. I said, Oh wow, he's got one. And that was my first reaction when I saw that. And yet, uh, you know, as a coach and technical director, the challenges of in year one inheriting a club that has been built prior to really your arrival and, and knowledge of a lot of these players yeah I,
6: part of the reason why i took the job is when i watched these guys play and i've said this before they were number one in possession number one in, in challenge intensity number four and pressing per defensive action that's up my alley you know those are things that i like um i could see i could see myself coaching this team and i could see the traits um yeah, you always got to want to bring in maybe some of your guys. The guy we brought in, Peter Petrovic, uh, top player in the, in the second tier Sweden. Uh, big talent, used to be in Malmo when he was young. So he's a guy that I'm familiar with, that I've played against, that has hurt me personally when I've played him. So we had the opportunity to bring him here, and uh, I think it will be uh, really good for Locomotive and for this league.
0: If you can't beat him, join him, right? That, that's the best medicine, I think. How many are left? How many spots you have left on the roster right now? We'll see. You know, I gotta. Like I said,
6: I don't want to jump the gun of of just bringing in guys just to bring in guys before I see 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 my team. You know, um, I wanted to bring one in because I think uh, you know I knew Peter and I felt comfortable bringing him in. But we're looking at maybe maybe two two more guys. But I want to be a little bit more specific. Uh, I want to see our guys play. I want to see what they're about and what matches up best
0: with them. As far as would you say your specialty as a coach? Do you mm. specialize more in offense, in defense, or is it really just a, a good mix and combination of the two? Yeah, I would like to call it a,
6: a good mix. I think any good teams that you, you do have a good mix. Um, I think I think the soccer that I play is pretty fast. I, I think in transition where I focus on on that when you win the ball, okay, let's go right away. A um, little bit of Red Bull philosophy in my background a bit. Um, so so. Pressing, winning the ball, and going forward as quick as possible. I think that we can see that, and the fans will be able to see that this season um, to a, a higher degree than maybe in previous years.
0: But you also said technically sound. So for me, I, I would assume that in that in that regard, uh, I don't want to say if, if it's fundamentals that you're really looking at, but tell me when you say you know that that technical style, what we're what we're talking about
6: here. I think El Paso they have a reputation of a team that plays you know in this league the sixty percent possession. Um, They play a brand. uh, They they keep the ball, you know. That's right. And um, now it's about, you know, doing that for a purpose, doing that to score goals um, and being tactically organized in order to be ready defensively um, when you do lose the ball always say, you know, when you have 60% possession, uh, I don't know about in El Paso, but it's like driving on the New Jersey Turnpike. You're just driving, driving, and all of a sudden, a deer comes out of nowhere. Yeah. So you got to be ready for the defensive uh, stage of the game when you do lose that ball. And that's something that I think needs, that can improve.
0: So don't just possess the ball to possess it. When you have it, Set it up to do something with yeah, it. That's get, the most. That's the most important let's thing. Let's get box entries, right? Let's get box
6: entries. Let's get goal scoring opportunities for up two nil. Okay, take take uh, take some time off the clock. You know, but um, you know, let's 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 have. Possession with a purpose.
0: And as far as formations go, what formations are are you most uh, comfortable with? You know, it doesn't matter to me. I want to get the best guys on the field.
6: That's what that's been my philosophy. If we got three good center backs, we play in a three back. If we got two good forwards, we play two good forwards. The principles will remain the same in the formation. Uh, To be honest with you, I'd like to to be perfected in uh, two formations. So we're a little bit. More predict, uh, unpredictable. Uh, maybe on the road we play a certain uh, certain formation. Maybe at home it's different. But uh, I think good teams can do that.
0: As far as uh, getting this group on the pitch and starting to work out, is it already started for you, or is that coming within the next uh, few weeks? As far as training, training goes.
6: Yeah, they're doing they're doing in they're in their off season plan right now. So um, a few guys are out on the training pitch doing some uh, some individual workouts with Saul, some of our fitness guys. I'm there with um with the staff so i'm getting to know them a bit so they they should be ready to go in the next week they'll have uh fat measurements and different type of measurements physical tests um, and then the following week the 23rd we're, we're out on the pitch
0: wow so we're talking now less than two weeks so well, it's 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 here is what it's you're here telling it's me. here
6: the preparations are coming it's live it's live now all right
0: get comfortable I want to th- I want to learn more about uh, before you coached what was going on with you especially growing up in northeast and was soccer always the sport that gravit that you gravitated towards the most so we'll do that in a moment Brian Clarehot's with us we'll uh, talk more with uh, the new head of El Paso Locomotive FC if you've got questions five five six zero zero nine. That's our telephone number. Let's go to Charlie One with a traffic update. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Again, we're, we're joined by brand-new coach, technical director, Brian uh, Claire hott here on uh, the show. If you want to weigh in, 505-6009, your chance to get in and talk to the uh, head coach and technical director of El Paso Locomotive FC. You know, I've never understood what technical director is. What's the difference between a head coach and a technical director? And do some clubs have different head coach and technical directors? Yeah, it's interesting because when I came over
6: here, I wasn't aware that the USL kind of has that dual role a lot with their head coach and technical director. In Europe, uh, they call it sporting director, which is kind of like uh, the GM in, in baseball and some of these other sports. Yeah. I would say in my role, it's more trying to build that roster, that technical director. It's more uh, soccer specific, building that roster out and getting your own guys which is which is great for me makes a lot of sense
0: yeah. um, you're inheriting a club that the first three years among the best in, in USL they were uh, a team that won their conference played for a championship uh, really great winning tradition those first three seasons with Mark Lowry last year uh, with Coach Hutch tough year because it was ups and downs it was almost like a roller coaster ride the whole season and unfortunately during the end of the season they couldn't find a way to to climb out and get into the playoffs first time they've missed so as you know it's young in its infancy but the bar was established very high from the outset yeah I think I think Mark uh, you know I I haven't seen
6: the team play during that year to be honest but um, obviously they witnessed success I uh, I think John tried to it was a, it was his it was his era there different style of play setting his precedent um, trying to play a more um, possession based style uh, long term setting up the staff so I think a lot of his success was uh, maybe not shown on wins and losses I think he did a lot of things in the background to make the club stronger to make it more professional to make it uh to make the t- to make the team uh how, how can i say this uh go go this year go in 2023 set set the set the sand layer for that's it that's good that's a good way to say it yeah i like
0: that yeah all right i was trying um, to find
6: the words
7: for
0: it it worked so uh, you're from new jersey tell me what uh, it was like uh, growing up as a kid and when did soccer really uh, stand out and, and become the sport that you gravitated uh, to the most yeah, grew grew up in uh, outside
6: Philadelphia, about 30 minutes outside Philadelphia. Um my dad was a US Navy diver, deep sea diver. Um mom a nurse and and eventually my dad worked for the National Football League NFL films. So um he was he was a big sports guy. Um we just we played all all sports, me, my brother, my sister, um Played soccer, played baseball, played basketball. We were good, but uh, we were always—I was always real good at soccer. So that kind of we knew. Once you get to around twelve, yeah, you got to pick one, and that's that's kind of how it, kind of how it went. Family, uh, soccer, family, tr- taking me, and my brother, all over the country, different tournaments, and uh, wow. typical, you know.
0: Now, was your dad? Uh, did, did he film for NFL films? Was he an editor? Or what did he do? No, he did a, a bit of different. Uh, a few different
6: things. He did some, uh, been to a few Super Bowls. Little things outside, outside the box a bit.
0: So you go to work with dad sometimes, and you have access to stuff that most kids would dream of, and yet um, gravitated to soccer. Had a chance to play it as a teenager, and ultimately it led for you having a chance to uh, to play college soccer. Correct? Yeah. You know, I've been in the NFL film vault. I remember being in there. Um, What was that like, by the way? Tell us. Because our listeners are jealous. They heard this, and the first thing they're saying is, okay, Locomotive FC is great. All right, uh, Brian, spend some time talking about what the NFL film fall was like.
6: Yeah, it's a a huge room with just tapes, 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 and uh, it's pretty organized. I remember being in there um, probably 15 years ago. Um, No, we've seen some different things. I I remember when – my dad was doing something with the uh, with the Ravens in, in Baltimore, the first Hard Knocks. He took us, me and my brother, down there to see it. So we've done some cool things. Um, town where I grew up in, big big soccer town. Shawnee High School, number one in the nation when when I left, produces a lot of a uh, lot of MLS players. Aronson brothers, uh, Brendan Aronson on the U.S. national team from Medford, New Jersey, uh, came out of Philly Union. Now at Leeds United with Jesse Marsh. Younger brother just left for $10 million to Eintracht Frankfurt. So it's a bit of a culture cultural thing in this small town in New Jersey. Played there. Go to St. Peter's. Um, didn't have the best college career. Got got injured um, against University of Connecticut uh, out of all places. So uh, that kind of stalled my progress. And uh, then when I was done, I was fortunate to get in the college ranks because this is what I wanted to do and coach at, coach at UConn, coach at Temple, and then eventually Sweden.
0: Did you know right out of the gate – once your playing career ended, that you wanted to be a coach was that something you always gravitated towards? I was always a student of the game, and I always watched a lot of video on it. And I don't know if that,
6: uh, if NFL films maybe that had a subconscious uh, yeah could uh, view on it. You know, through my passion through soccer, and then maybe I had that type of influence. And then uh, then I was fortunate enough, like I said to previously to other people, to get thrown into a high-level environment at a young age. I think I was at UConn at age 24. We were number one in the country. Big staff, big, big program uh, in terms of college soccer in the United States, and uh, that shaped me. That shaped me for sure.
0: How ironic that the team that injured you turns into the first uh, coaching job for you in the college ranks.
6: Yeah, I mean uh, – yeah, I, that's a coincidence. It was a coincidence. Maybe uh, I don't. I don't think Ray and I don't think those guys remembered it. But uh, yeah, it did you ever remind him?
0: I told him it. I yeah, told I would him do it. The same yeah,
6: thing. yeah. I, I told him. That's, I told him. But
0: that's good. So when you left um, for Sweden, uh, did you at that time have any idea what you were going to be getting yourself into over the next uh, six, seven years? No, not at all. I mean, I,
6: I went. I was leaving Temple University. I was on for my next challenge. What that was, I didn't know. I had a recruiting contact, a guy who just took over a third-level first professional uh, team in Sweden. He said, come over for three months. Come check it out. Watch a European team. Watch me do my preseason. I was just going to stay over there for three months. His assistant coach got burned out. He goes, hey, you want to stay here? rest is history. I, I, I stayed as an assistant in uh Level 3 in professional soccer. And then eventually I took over that team and did pretty well. And uh, that's how all this started. That's a great story for you. It
0: really is. As a college assistant to just going for a couple of months to see how it was, wait and see, and it ends uh, into a a, a nice uh, career that ultimately lands you back in the States. But it's your first professional uh, head coaching job here in the United States with El Paso Locomotive FC. And that's, that's also interesting. How has the sport changed here, over the years since you left to Sweden to now, how has it evolved?
6: I think I think it's uh, extremely evolved. I think financially, um, both MLS and USL has has uh, uh, changed tremendously in these six seven years. I think respect wise as well. So um, now we're comparing US soccer and MLS to the top five leagues in Europe. You know, um, before, you know, when Greg Berhalter was coaching at Hammerby in the second league of uh, of Sweden, uh, then he goes right into MLS. It was really respected when uh, Badoya or some of these guys, Charlie Davies, were playing in Sweden. It was a huge deal. Now we have our guys playing in some of the best teams in the world. Um, so MLS is really highly respected. USL as well. I mean, the, the amount of finances put into it, the amount of players that it's producing now, the amount of talent. Um, it 's changed completely because and I think it 's a trickle effect because it 's so hard to uh, get into the m l s now because it 's growing so uh, so quickly and so fast
0: When I see that some m l s players are um, you know acquired and they go to Europe. For for big big bucks yep. and those transfer fees are enormous. Ricardo Pepe being one of them. Mm. Um, you know, right here in El Paso tells you a little bit about that. Are, when do you think we're going to get to a point where the tables will will turn and we'll flip it to where some of the best young European talent will come overseas to the states to play MLS versus look to stay with their club teams or or stay with 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 the larger clubs in Europe. Well, one,
6: it's a good question. One thing that I've noticed being over in Sweden is that you should not bet on American sport owners. I say that freely. I mean, the, the, the American, American owners are the best, best in the world in, in sports. That's why they own the top Premier League teams. And uh, I think it's just a matter of time. I, right now, we're getting – the MLS is attracting the best young talent in South America. So they're taking these guys from Uruguay, from Argentina. Okay, maybe they're not going to Barcelona, and now they're signing an MLS. I think 2026 World Cup here is going to have a huge, huge impact on the game, mm-hmm. um, deciding what, where the league goes, where MLS goes, Does it? The, you know, what, where does Liga MX go. So I think that's, that, that could be a game-changer, to be
0: honest. I think that's a great point. And by the way, World Cup lived up to the hype this year. Unbelievable. That final was uh, one of the all-time greats quality quality i mean i mean you know Qatar it
6: got a, it was a bit different because um you know these guys played world cup and then they went back to the club early like us yeah. in Sweden we stopped it early stopped the season early because of world cup um, but good games competitive games the players were fit they were in form and uh, it was a good uh it was a good entertainment for i think uh, soccer fans and the average fan
0: we'll wrap things up with uh, coach Claire Hot in a moment again 505 6009 if you want to get in middle of the show let's go to Adrian get this bottom of the hour sports center update. Chance to meet the uh, brand new head coach technical director I'll pass locomotive FC uh, Brian Clairhot as we continue here on the program. Um, we talked about this club and what you've watched on film from last year and what you expect. How about the rest of the league? I- I'm sure since you've thought about making this jump, You've probably watched more USL matches on tape than you have your entire life. So, tell me about the league itself and what you've noticed from the best clubs in this league to teams that maybe aren't nearly to that level, but just the quality of uh, of soccer in general. Well, we t- we, t- we
6: touched base on it a bit. It's it's grown in quality quite a lot in, in years, and I think we see it financially as well, it's, it's changed. I've watched quite a bit of USL last year. Um, I took the Defender of the Year, Forrest Lasso, I brought him to Giftsensville from Tampa Bay last year to Sweden, um, three-time Defender of the Year. And I also bought uh, Ronaldo Damus from Orange County um, right after they won the USL Championship, and he was the um, MVP of the championship. So I brought those guys to Sweden. So I'm quite familiar with the with the league. I tried to bring the two best guys, arguably, over to over to Sweden this year. Um, Athletic League, uh, you got teams like Colorado, super athletic. You know, they got runners in there. You got teams like Louisville of just good players overall. Um, I think the West is, is superior than the East. I think it's super competitive. Um, so it'll be interesting. A lot of good teams. How'd those guys do for you? The Moose, 23, Haitian, uh, five goals. Really good for the first year, getting settled in Europe. Um, up, upside good. Uh, pretty good for first year in Sweden uh, coming over. Not a,
0: you know, didn't dominate, but sure. decent. Lasso, it was okay. It was okay. All right. Point is... You could be the best in USL, and jumping to different country, different styles, different level of competition—it's not as easy as some people might think. Not as easy, and um, it's not
6: always on the soccer pitch, like you said. You know, it's different language barrier for these guys, different weather, different style. They got to settle in. Some of these fans, some of these people, different organizations—they don't give guys time. You know, we see in, in Europe. Okay, guys moving from uh, Chelsea to Liverpool. Okay, let's I'll give them a year. You know, these guys are coming from the U.S. going over to Europe. So it'll be the same thing with the guys that we signed. Whether it's Peter or the, some of the guys from Ukraine or Navarro coming over to into El Paso. Let's give these guys some time. Let's uh, let them settle in and get used to things. As
0: far as your coaching style, are you a yeller? Do you like to uh, light into guys a little bit? You're from the Northeast. I already have my opinions. I'll keep those to myself. But of of me. Of, of me. what you might be like uh, to the players. you I, I would say you're probably pretty direct. You don't BS. You know what you expect and you, you expect a team to uh, to handle that. I think a team's always uh a reflection of their leader a little
6: bit. And uh I would like to say that uh, you know, I, I'm I'm intense. I'm intense uh I expect a certain standard, and it's business to me. You know, this is, we got to, I I want to win, and this is how we put uh, food on the table. So if we're going to do something, let's do it right. All
0: right. Intensity is about what I would expect. Uh, Is there a coach in sports, any sport, that uh, A, uh, you admire, and B, that you would kind of compare yourself to in terms of uh, your demeanor?
6: I want to give such a good example on on the American sports landscape for, for your listeners, but I haven't been over here for seven years, so I apologize.
0: Give me an old one. All right. My uh, listeners, maybe, my maybe listeners bo- have been around I, longer. I, I, they can, they, I don't want to
6: know. say Bobby Knight, you know. I think that's maybe well, too that'd be that, phenomenal. that would be a you, bit too you, extreme. You know? Have you heard
0: about Don Haskins in El Paso? No, no, no. You don't? Right, Angela, what's wrong with you? Uh, we you we please, <laughs> on the I I don't care if he just arrived today. He was here in December. All right, let me tell you this. I didn't get And don't, don't, please, come on now. Come on now. All right, now, Don, I'm going to tell you right now, okay? They should. This is Mountain Stars' fault. I'm going to blame them because they should have indoctrinated you on this. Don Haskins coached UTEP. Before UTEP, it was Texas Western. They beat Kentucky, won the 1966 championship. All black starting lineup. They made a Disney movie called Glory Road in 2005 or 2004 uh, with Josh Lucas starring as Don Haskins about that team, that season, and that uh, and, and and that whole story. Okay, Don Haskins, um, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Naismith, yep. So the team is as well. Great friends with Bobby Knight. They were hunting buddies. They were fishing buddies. Similar personalities, similar demeanor. So when you said Bobby Knight, I said, well, you can just compare yourself to Don Haskins and El Pasoans will love you. Because they're always looking for the next Haskins in coaching, and this will give you a chance when you uh, when you leave the show today to go ahead and you can go on YouTube, look a little Don Haskins uh, stories up, and you'll you'll get to uh, brush up on the bear a little bit. I'll, I'll take I'll
6: take that I'll take that. Um, you know when I'm up at 2 a.m. with the jet lag, that's that's what I'll that's what Good. I'll do. I'll hit that YouTube. No, but to answer your question, I'm intense. I'm truthful. I I I try to uh, be real. I try to be a bit of a player's coach, but I hold I hold my guys to high standard, and uh, I ultimately is for them for them to help the team win. That's what it's about.
0: That's exactly right. Um, But when it comes to showing your emotion, will we see that on the pitch when teams play well, get an emotional win? Will we get a fist pump? Will we get uh, celebration uh, and 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 go and celebrate with the crowd?
6: I I think I think there's uh, there's some clips on YouTube of me when I was uh, from last. Season when it was a tough season, where they can get a sense of uh, of oh, good. that. So um, now, but I, I'm I'm an emotional guy. I'm a real guy. I love winning. Um, and uh, yeah, well,
0: they'll they come to the games. don't tell, right. tell, tell these guys to come to the games. Well, uh, season starts in March, right? And uh, and, and March fifth. March 11th, 11th. and tickets are going to go on sale soon. So the season seats are on sale now, right? But uh, individual tickets will go on sale soon. Um, You can go, uh, again, to uh, EPLocomotiveFC.com. That's right. Um, Meanwhile, you grew up 30 minutes outside of Philly. Big Eagles fan?
6: I like the Eagles. I like the birds. They're doing well.
0: They are. Number one seed in the NFC, home field throughout the playoffs. Could this be the year the Eagles get back to the big one? And, uh, and go to Phoenix and go to the Super Bowl. It would, be, it would be a good
6: story. You know, a lot of times in all sports, you want that team that, that uh, I, again, right, we're talking about locomotive, we're talking about Eagles, we're talking about playoffs, mm-hmm. more important. I haven't, right. I haven't been invo- involved in playoffs in a while, and that's something that I'm going to have to deal with this year. But it would be nice to see that team overall that's best really get the ring, and we'll see if that's possible. Could be.
1: How about your uh, alma mater making it far in the NCAA tournament th- that, this that, past year?
6: That was that was awesome to see. Um, I saw that, and uh, such a small school, you know, have, has, they had a decent um, basketball team in the past, but they really they put on the show this year, and that, that was cool to see.
0: Nice job, Adrian. I'm going to put that. Yeah, that was a
6: good. There. That was a good call.
0: Very nice. Got gotcha. you. All right. Final question, and we'll wrap it up, and we'll look forward to seeing you uh, throughout the season. Coming periodically, you're always <laughs> welcome here, as you know. Um, this has been widely debated. No answer is the right answer, and it's been seven years since you've been in the states. But from your experience, best Philly cheesesteak in Philadelphia goes to
6: Jim's on South Street. All right, I'm not going to go Pat's and Geno's. Then you got you got you got Chicks and Cherry Hill. That that's maybe rated number one on the Jersey side. Really? So, yeah. It's
0: called Chicks. Chicks. All right. But gyms is the one you got to do. Yeah, gyms on South Street is good. Yeah. Is it? Is the lines and gyms as big as when you go to Pat and Geno's? It, it can get there. It can get there. But you can, no, I think, yeah. Listen, I went to Pat and Geno's in November 10 years ago. And number one... That don't go to November because by the time you get the steak, if you're not eating it within thirty seconds and you're outdoors, because that's the way it is over there, your steak is cold before you even get to enjoy it. I like Gino's better than Pat's, and I
6: don't get the whiz. I get American cheese on it or provolone. I like the provolone. I
0: yeah. tried the provolone and I and I tried the whiz.
6: <laughs> I don't get the whiz. The whiz is nasty.
0: Well, know? the problem with the whiz to me was when the when the sandwich got a little cold. Yeah, then the then it gets was,
6: so, and then it's it, getting soggy. Yeah, and it stuff. was disgusting. Yeah,
0: give nasty. me give me the provolone. Give I'll take the that or the, or the American, American cheese. cheese. Yeah. All right, so Jim's. And chicks in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. uh, From yeah, look that up. Have your producer look look it up. The ranking on that, I'd be interested
6: to see what those Uh, what those two are ranked.
0: And uh, best pizza.
6: You know, I've been spoiled because my wife's right on the border of Italy, so so I've I've had the good Italian pizza. um, But in Jersey, I don't think there's like a
0: specific spot like that. But I like New York pizza. I do, too. But in Italy, there's nothing better than Naples. real Italian yeah, pizza. Naples pizza. The
6: big time. Down in – if you go to Naples, I mean, they're like five bucks. It's crazy. That's That sounds incredible. Yeah.
0: Good to meet you. I will look forward to having you back. Welcome to town, and uh, congratulations on the opportunity, Coach. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I had a great time. You got it. Brian Clairhod with us as we continue here on Sports Talk. Come back with more in a moment. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue – Again, Brian Claremont, nice guy. Enjoyed that conversation a lot. I joked that every time a native from the Northeast comes on the show, I always feel like I start talking more like I'm I'm from you know my New York roots. I don't know why it just happens. You talk to somebody and it's, it almost you feel like you're back home. You know?
1: Yeah, that's understandable, Steve. That's fine. I I think that's actually kind of cool. You you have you both have like kind of the same vernacular when you when you're talking to each other.
0: I like the fact that he went with Jim's, too. I like the fact he went with an underdog place for, uh, for best cheesesteak.
1: Yeah, that was, that was pretty solid. He was saying in the, in the hallway right now, he was like, I can't believe I was asked today about cheesesteak. That's awesome.
0: Oh, good. So he liked that question. Well, I mean, it's, it's a serious question. We, we want to know. You never know when you are back in the in the Philadelphia area, and if you want to go to the best, you need to you need as many good recommendations as possible.
1: That's right, because that's attainable. Unlike, uh, well, unless you you make the trip out to Naples and, and eat that kind of pizza. But when he was saying that, talking about going to Italy and, and getting that authentic stuff, I was like, man, I was I was envious with jealousy.
0: Man, oh man, I don't blame you. That would be that would be fun. Nine in front of six as we continue here on Sports Talk. Had a couple of messages on the app chat during uh, Gator Richards' call, and um, here is what Eric from Boston said on the app chat. Um, thanks thanks for listening, by the way, Eric. I appreciate that. He's in Framingham uh, in, in Boston. Uh, or actually, his name is, I think it's Eric Framingham, but he's from Boston. Said, DeMar Hamlin had to be revived on the field to get a pulse. How can one not be emotional about that?
1: Yeah, come on, man. I just don't understand that. It's uh
0: insensitive of Richard.
1: Come yeah. on. And he already he already texted me. You know that. Uh he oh, already yeah. texted me and he's he's uh telling me yep. uh you I'm know sure. something left and right and stuff like that. He
0: also he also said that the incident involving Hamlin was bigger than the game of football.
1: It was. It it was. That's why they stopped the game. It's a multi million dollar product and they stopped Monday night football, they seized the game and they suspended it.
0: Yep. That's true. Um Pinky out in Santa Teresa, great question to Gator Dick about life and death reactions over the line today from Pinky out in Santa Teresa. Um, he also had a good question for Jay Jaffe about Carlos Correa's physical and what was the situation with the physical with teams trying to sign him. You know what I heard today? I heard that, this is so interesting, apparently the Mets and Giants both talked to the same doctor. It is fishy, because you would think that the Mets would have gone with their own doctor or somebody else's doctor before they made this decision, but they went with the same doctor the Giants had, and then the Twins, their doctor, had like five conversations, but they still decided to do it. It's. I've never heard of this story before. It's such a bizarre story for a guy that's never really had any injury issues in his career.
1: Right, and we've never seen something where it's been a carousel of three teams. Not the Giants, not the Mets. It ends up being the Twins. But the carousel of all the fan base of San Francisco getting fired up that they got Correa. Then New York fans getting fired up that they get Correa. Yep. And then the new cycle of the Twins landing him
0: once and for all.
1: So it's so weird how this has all developed. We've never seen anything like this
0: meanwhile Rodney Terry talked after Texas's win yesterday over TCU at home awesome atmosphere they were down most of the game came back late to win Sir Jabari Rice was the player of the game here's what the uh, former minor head coach had to say after the victory
4: you know we went in the second half we weren't in there streaming and hollering acting crazy you know we're like hey we've been here before you know we're at home we have an incredible crowd you know, uh, they want to bring the energy to us, but we got to bring the energy to them. you just got to work the game. RT preaches that all year.
6: Work the game for 40 minutes. Um, good, bad, good start, bad start. You know, you just got to come and play the next possession. Um, and we just try to hang our hat on that. But, um, you know, they're going to go on runs. They're a great team. They've got great players. So um, we just had to respond, respond, respond. Um, that's been, been a big emphasis for us, especially after the game against K-State here last week. So um, it was big for us to get that jump
3: and get over the hump and get a good comeback win.
0: That's pretty good. Um, I liked it. Rodney, Rodney's uh, press conferences have not changed uh, since UTEP. They're the exact same. The exact same. The,
1: it sounds like he's at UTEP. Th- there's no difference. I mean, you could take a UTEP postgame interview from Rodney Terry and a Texas postgame interview from Rodney Terry. They're the same thing.
0: And by the way, if you don't follow uh, Longhorn Barstool, you need to, because whoever's running that account is hilarious. That's, that's more fun than watching the game. Reading the tweets from that individual's stream of consciousness during a basketball game. Loved it.
1: We said this on Minor Talk yesterday, but hey, Texas fans are going to have to go through the roller coaster of what Minor fans had to go through with uh, Rodney Terry. For the
0: good and the bad, right? It's worse because they've got an infinitely better team talent-wise and a ridiculous coaching staff. So it's even worse than it is here. Way more overreactions. Big time. And it's, yeah, 100%. Hey, one hour to go. We'll come back after the Cowboys update. And uh, take more of your calls. Wrap it up next. 600 ESPN El Paso. That's our telephone number to get into the show. 505-6009. As we continue. You can also tweet the show. At 600 ESPN El Paso. And message us on our mobile app powered by First American Bank. If you were at the UTEP game last night, you want to talk about it, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to talk uh, Locomotive FC after hearing the interview with the brand-new head coach and technical director on the show, uh, terrific, by the way, enjoyed uh, Brian Hot. He was great, and uh, I like the intensity uh, comparison. Trust me, uh, the next time he's asked that question, he probably says Don Haskins. I, that's I, my That's my opinion.
1: I also feel like uh, next time he's got that 2 a.m. jet lag, he's definitely Googling Don Haskins. And maybe he can learn something from the bear if he watches some of those videos or even hear some of those interviews.
0: Very true. Very true. Um, there's plenty of interviews on YouTube from Don Haskins. And, as coach said a moment ago, if he has the jet lag, he can then go and you know see some of that and watch the different clips. What do you think you should try to watch old Haskins or young Haskins?
1: Ooh, good question. I old uh, old Haskins. I like old Haskins because you can like,
0: barely find it,
1: right? And he's pretty gruff. Um, yeah. and, and he's like he's he has some really good bits. I would say the young Haskins ha- like would always crack jokes, right? Like we're talking late eighties, early nineties. Am I, am I getting this wrong?
0: No, young Haskins is sixties.
1: Okay. Okay. I see what only, you're saying. The only
0: time you can find Young Haskins is watching the Texas Western Coca Cola defensive video that he oh, narrates.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm thinking, oh wow. So I was I was kind of going different decades and stuff like that, thinking like late 80s, early 90s. He's he's probably uh, cracking jokes left and right and being really blunt about things. And then um, when he's older, he's just you know he's he's a little bit more gruff, but he also has that uh, dry sense of humor. That he always had.
0: Have you ever heard the, um, have you ever watched the video of defensive drills no, from the 60s with no, Coach Haskins? No, I haven't. Listen, this was uh, this was probably 36 year old Don Haskins at the time.
7: If you're to have a good defensive posture, later on, after you've learned proper footwork, you may go after a bouncing ball or a stray pass. Another two on two drill has the offensive guard screening for a forward. After the guard passes off, he comes inside and screens. We tell the man receiving the ball to go over the top. But the important part of this drill is that the man carrying the screener must loosen up to help. You should never switch if momentarily you are going to help on the screen. Anytime you are carrying a screener, you must loosen up to help. By the way, this is
0: okay if you are a basketball junkie, uh, this is a must. Because the drills themselves are terrific. Like, you will get more out of the 11 minute, 27 second Don Haskins defensive work than you will uh, anything else. And, And the fact that, you know, this was made by Coke, Coca Cola, from the mid 60s, right around the time they won the national championship, makes it that much better.
1: Wow, this is amazing. I'm looking at it right now. The way that this was filmed, the way that this was narrated and everything, it's just, it's impressive. Like This is uh, very interesting that Coke did something like this with uh, Coach Haskins way back
0: when. The best part of this entire video, and it's not even a question, okay, go to like the six-minute and 50-second mark because they're all going into a Coca-Cola cooler to pull out bottles of Coca-Cola. And Kenny John is there, um, who was on that roster at that time. Neville Shedd is there. You see Don Haskins smiling as he's drinking it, but you don't get to hear what they're saying. From what I've heard from the players in this video, the reason they're smiling and laughing is that this cooler – was brought in specifically to shoot this particular defensive videotape. They did not have Coca-Colas that they could break out after uh, workouts and practices. They didn't even have water that they were allowed to get water breaks until after practice. So I think the fact that they saw a cooler filled with Coca-Cola bottles was the funniest thing ever because they knew... They would never have that again in any capacity that involves uh, doing anything with uh, practice and Texas Western with Coach Haskins.
1: I'm just picturing Coach Haskins while he's like sipping on that uh, soda. And he's uh, he's laughing along with uh, some of the UTEP players. I could just picture in the back of his head thinking, if I ever watched any of these players actually drink a soda outside the court, um, yeah, I would have some time with them. Uh, but I love this video, and also Steve, I love the Converse, the old school Converse, the high top Converse. Chuck every- Taylors, yep. yeah. Everybody's wearing. They got the high socks, the short shorts, and uh, looks like the uh, polyester warm up shirts.
0: It is vintage. It is beautiful. And it's fully narrated by then a mid-30s Don Haskins. I wrote about this years ago on the website because it's the only archived footage that has Coach Haskins from the 60s talking. There are no interviews with him from the 66 championship game. There is nothing that has survived, at least that we know of, that involves his voice from this time period nothing there wow. might be some from the late 70s somewhere most of it is from the 80s and on okay and in the early 80s he was already in his 50s so this is mid 30s don haskins and like you you hear it okay it's it's all it's all technical stuff this is uh, what it's about but listen to Don Haskins give the plug of Coca-Cola. This is one of the great parts of it when he when he gets to break character on the defensive drills.
7: Here, it's a loose ball, anybody's ball, and responsibility is shared. In our dressing room at halftime or after practice, something else gets shared, refreshment. Ice cold Coca-Cola is about the quickest refreshment around, and it's got a taste the boys don't seem to get tired of. The cooler is a pretty popular spot for everybody, players and coaches alike.
0: That is the greatest uh, part of that video right there. And uh, the players have told me that that uh, was not a popular, like, th- that they did not have that. That, that was strictly for this video, uh, as, as it was filmed,
1: a little ad uh, ad read right there from Don Haskins yes. himself. I well, like
0: they it. they sponsored they yeah. sponsored the, uh, the the whole defensive drills, but that is eleven minutes and twenty seven seconds of your time that you need to spend watching it.
1: I just tweeted it out, Steve. It's uh it's a good throwback Thursday. It's a uh, Thursday, so we got to throw it back. And uh, this video is an all timer. I just had to tweet it out.
0: Good. I'm happy you did it. I am happy you did that. So, um, And if you haven't seen it, please uh, you know, take a watch. And you can hear his voice. it's It's higher pitched, that's for sure. But it's still very much him. Talking defense, talking strategy. And like I said, it is the only thing that exists online from anywhere close to this period of time. Nothing else is there.
1: This is way cool. I mean, this is just an absolute throwback, even for some coaches out there who need to brush up on some defensive drills. This is perfect for you to get.
0: I thought you've seen this before. Never. This is the first time. When we discovered this probably about five, six, seven years ago, however long it was, I thought we uncovered um, like a treasure was the best way to put it. It It's truly a treasure because whoever had this, and it might have been this – the story is I think – Joe Gomez had it, gave it to UTEP, and then I think it was converted. I think that's how it went because the video was put up by the University of Texas at El Paso, and I believe the story goes that Joe had acquired it, donated it to UTEP. They, in turn, put this online back. Uh, When was this thing launched? I don't even know when, when they put this up for the first time, but you know that's 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 the story at least uh, how this uh, how this went
1: 2010 of May uh, is when they posted this
0: okay so, so 12 and a half years ago
1: yeah 83,000 views so a yeah. lot of people like it
0: well that's it's it's history it's to me it's a time capsule is what it is it's the only thing we have yeah we've got that that court uh, overhead shot of the 66 championship game but we don't have the full television uh feed of that game, I spent years of my life trying to uncover uh, and unearth the 66-game TV feed, the TV broadcast. So what happened was, was the coach's scouting tape, and years ago, we found a copy of the Kentucky radio broadcast, which was then synced to the uh, overhead coach's scouting tape and turned into a HD-processed copy of the game. The NCAA did that originally. And then, at that same time, still trying to uncover the mystery that is the 66 championship game. But none of the TV stations recorded it and saved it. And nobody in 66, if the TV stations didn't do it, nobody did. And you know in Kentucky, if they recorded it, they erased it as soon as that game ended, Because they didn't want to keep a copy of that as a record. Nobody wanted that. So, unfortunately, there is no copy of the 66 game anywhere in existence. uh, The televised version.
1: That's a uh, very disappointing knowing that we have uh, we have so many archived college basketball games in the books with, with every you know all the the decades past and all the great championships out there. This being one of the greatest of them all uh, of all the men's basketball national championships, right there for obvious reasons. And uh, that's what makes this Throwback Thursday Don Haskins defensive drills video that much more special, knowing that not a lot of footage from that time, uh, especially from Coach Haskins.
0: Hard to believe that this will be the fifty 57- seven. Seventh anniversary of that championship team coming up in March. Fifty-seven years already.
1: Wow, that's that's wild to think about. Yeah, and
0: now sadly we're starting to lose more and more players from these teams, and that's what's also very tough. But you know what's interesting, and and I, I got to tell you, I I I'm a little surprised at myself because when I was trying to hunt down the tape, I never once thought of calling any of the living players from the Kentucky team in 66. And who knows if maybe their families had acquired that TV copy from somebody and just put it away and locked it up. And even though they didn't want to ever watch it, maybe maybe it does exist somewhere in the Kentucky side. I know in El Paso, none of the uh, Texas Western players had it and none of the TV stations had it. But maybe there are there's somebody in Lexington or surrounding that area that, that actually does have an original copy of that 66 game.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, and that leaves a lot of unanswered questions to this whole uh, dilemma right here with uh, some lost tapes. Uh, let's just put it that way, and maybe there are some former Kentucky players who are still living, who have family, who have that tape out
0: there. The biggest problem was the game did not air on a major network in 66. Man. I don't think the game aired on a major network until either 67 or 68, so it was a syndicate, which meant any station could pick it up if they wanted it. But it also meant that it's harder to find because it was a smaller network that aired the game on TV as opposed to um, you know the big three at the time.
1: Wow. I, I didn't even realize that either. I mean, that's that's uh, so interesting in itself, knowing that it wasn't accessible as we have it now. every You could watch uh, three games at once on your iPhone now versus back then uh, syndicated and just fingers crossed hope that uh, your local television network actually is playing this game.
0: One of these days, Adrian, I hope this is kind of like the um, Honus Wagner baseball card that's worth millions because nobody has any copies maybe one of these days somewhere unearthed will be that surviving televised copy not the overhead shug, you know thing we have this guy I want the the one people watched on TV on that uh you know March day in 1966 when the miners beat Kentucky that would be terrific. We, how about this? We didn't even know if it was in color or black and white.
1: Wow, man. That's so sad that we don't know these kinds of things.
0: I, I've heard that the game was in black and white, not in color. But I don't, I don't know that yet for a fact either So, because we don't have a copy of it. And people think they remember, but you don't truly remember. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, the second-hand stories that I'm, I hear from my family when they watched the game uh, was black and white TV, but we don't know if that's the case or, or if that was just here in El Paso or across the country.
0: Remember, black and white TVs were still very common in the 60s. Not, I, you didn't necessarily have color TVs, so who knows? All right, 18 past. I'm sure Pinky knows. If there's one guy that probably knows the answer to that, it's him. And Joe Gomez and a few others. We'll come back with more in a moment. First, let's go to Charlie One. He has this traffic update for us. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. 23 now past the area, Uh, past the hour, I should say. Past the area, past the hour. So, UTEP Zay wrote a pretty interesting story on the website today. The frustrations of a young UTEP fan disconnect with the youth. It's a good read. I strongly encourage you to read it. And Zay, I like the fact that you wrote about it because we talked about this a few days ago and what you've done is you've elaborated in this terrific piece on our website. Yes, I have. I remember the
5: conversation, you know, I thought about it and I was like, this is this is something I I should write about, you know, I should talk about it more and You know, it's not just my frustration with UTEP. It's my frustration with kids my age who don't support UTEP. Now,
0: in this story, you said that you went to 10 people randomly. And one of the first things you did was you asked them uh, if they're a Don Haskins fan. Or they knew Don Haskins. They even knew who he was. And a little surprising that the majority of the people you spoke to did not. Yeah, it shocked me, you know. I went
5: up to 10 random people. It's lunch. You know, people are just walking around. I said, hey, do you know who Don Haskins is? I didn't, I didn't you know, tell him, hey, do you know you? No, Don Haskins just straight up. And a lot of them said no. You know, maybe I didn't show him a picture. None of that, right? So it was surprising to me that people don't know such a legendary figure in this community.
0: So let's talk about this for a second, okay? One of the things that the Chihuahuas do during their season is they have these day games, and when they do, they bring in schools from all over the city to watch uh, their team, uh, you know, their team play, and it's called like Education and Sports Day, I think, is what it is, and they do a few of these like three of them, three or four, and it's always – the ballpark is always filled with a ton of kids, elementary school kids mostly. But start them young, right? Those kids are going to go back, bring their parents the next time, and say, hey, we had the best time at the baseball game today, and chances are they're probably going to go back at least once. And and if they do this every year, become a Chihuahua's fan because they're a part of that experience. Yeah, you know, I talked about this
5: in the article
0: Middle Tennessee holds a similar event to that. It's
5: also called Education Day. They bring in, you know, it's closed off to the public, to the students. It's only season ticket holders and 27 elementary schools from from that area who come in as part of a field trip in their first game. It's against, you know, an NIA opponent. So, you know, maybe fans who don't usually go to those games, they don't need it, they don't really want to go to those games. You could do something like that here, bringing in, you know, younger kids who
0: will remember that for a very long time. I do like that idea. And I think it's a good one and and I hope UTEP, you know, reads the article and considers this.
1: I think it's also an easy idea, right? I mean it doesn't take that much effort. UTEP plays the Northern New Mexico colleges of the world and instead of having that game on a primetime Saturday night game, maybe do it on a weeknight and or weekday and, and an afternoon tip off where you can invite a lot of youngsters out there to watch them.
0: It sounds so easy, doesn't it? It really does. Now, I will say this, okay? I moved here in 78. And as soon as I moved here, I started elementary school. And we were season ticket holders starting in 79. And just because my dad loves sports, and for him, when he realized, you know, there's a college basketball team that was 10 minutes from his house, he he was signed me up. Huge sports fan. He, and he played basketball and those of you that knew my dad knew we, we grew up around sports in our family so it was a no-brainer. So I was going to games since I was uh, you know like six. it was it was uh, part of part of what we did and UTEP was a way of life for me. but I think the deal is this too, okay if you grew up in the 60s, 70s or 80s, and you could even go so far as the 90s, okay? Part of the reason why so many people connected with UTEP was because you didn't have the internet, you didn't have social media, you didn't have all these things that have started to come up and, and sprout up in the last you know, 10, 15 years that now competes heavy. For UTEP's, um, UTEP's dollar, in those days, all you had was UTEP and the movies, and that was it. I mean, you didn't have a lot of things going on. It was one or the other: you either went out to the movies or you went to a UTEP game. Now, you um, you know, everybody uh, number one wants to stay home because they stream everything on television. It's so easy to do they're all involved with their phones. Uh, I'm, and I'm am part of the problem cuz I'm like everybody else. You've got, you know, your social media accounts. You have um, you know, Top Golf, which also competes with Utep. And iFly and everything else out there. There's a lot of different businesses now that and you're serving beer in movie theaters, which you couldn't do years ago. They got smart he realized, you know what, let's make the food better, let's serve a full bar, and now people are going to really want to go to the movies because they can enjoy a full restaurant experience while watching a film for two hours. The entertainment
1: dollar is uh, at an all-time high right now as far as you know, trying to position yourself in the right place to try to bid for that entertainment dollar out there. I think it's just about trying to get the youth out there That's and good. to and to understand that the youth... Um, this is a great form of entertainment for youngsters out there. I mean, I, I kind of have a similar story to you, Steve. I, I grew up with UTEP Sports as well, and I, I, I would always be at the games regardless of anything else going on.
0: Now, the funny thing is... My son's been going to games since he's three months old. All right, maybe four or five months. I forget what it was. I think I took him to his first game when when and he was in like November of twelve, when he was like five six months. And I think it was a women's game, and I was sitting in the media table, and I had like uh, that. I had like his car seat up, and he was he was strapped in, and they showed him on TV, and he started crying. It was hilarious. It was just a was that's like, great. It's like a great video of him. I was like, but but the point is, he's been going to games, you know. Uh, since I, I first got our first baby Bjorn and we're carrying him with me, strapped to, to me th- at those games. So he's been, that's what he knows. And he was there last night, by the way, uh, and and cheering on the team with his cousins who are at every game. So, but but again, the difference is this. He's grown up with it. In this era, he's still a part of it because we're a part of it okay? There's a lot of people that are disconnected from UTEP. Either they've moved here recently or years ago. They've never gone to games. They don't care about it. And you never, until you go and experience one, you know, you don't know if they're going to come back, but you got to get them there. You got to make them try the product out and see what it's like. And that's what's been so difficult. And while we're still seeing the attendance dip to the 3,700 plus last night.
1: I would say about of all my friends who grew up in El Paso, maybe like one or two are UTEP fans at, at most, I, I would say. And that's weird, right? Like it is all weird. my All my friends are huge sports fans. We love to get together and watch sports together whenever we have a chance. NBA, NFL, college football. But they're not UTEP fans. And they've grown up here their whole life. Some of them even went to UTEP. And so, and they're, they're not UTEP fans whatsoever.
0: I connected last night with a a friend of mine who I went to high school and college with, okay? So he he grew up here in El Paso. He played basketball at Coronado, went to UT. We graduated together. Uh, We were very close. He went a different path than I did, went into acting. I went into uh, this, and we reconnected a few years ago. And I told him about the game last night because he called, and I said we we hadn't talked in a while. And I said, you know, Miners beat uh, UTSA. They held on. And his first response was, you know, how are we doing? But it was funny. How are we doing? Okay. He didn't say, how are they doing? He said, how are we doing? He hasn't lived in El Paso since 91. But to him, UTEP is still we, more than Texas. So it's interesting. Someone that's just still a lifetime minor fan. And, you know, moved away. But that's his passion and still feels that way. And he's followed it and busy from time to time. But, you know, we talked about it. I gave him a recap of this season since he hasn't followed him as close this season as he has in years past. We talked about Rodney Terry at Texas. And that was it. But that was interesting. And the question is, can you get him at a young age to go like the Chihuahuas do and get get a bunch of elementary schools there for one game, one afternoon, let him try the product out and make it an annual thing? And who knows? If 5% of those kids come back with their parents, you got a better chance to make them minor fans long term than otherwise. You got to do something like that grassroots. I agree. Kids club, nice idea, but not everybody's going to do the kids club. A fraction of the people are going to do the kids club, right, Zay?
5: Yeah, yeah. Really. It wasn't really an option, and I want to talk about something that Adrian said right now, right? He said that only you said only two of your friends that grew up in El Paso like UTEP, and that's that's the problem, right? Because I have friends that grew up in El Paso, I have friends who didn't grow up in El Paso, and the friends who did grow up in El Paso they have no interest in UTEP. It's the kids that didn't grow up in El Paso that are more inclined to, you know, who have asked me, hey, you go to UTEP, or hey, you know, let's go to a game, this and that. So that's that's the frustrating part for me.
0: I think it's frustrating because you want more people to be passionate like you when it comes to the team, right? You really do. You want them to grow up and feel like UTEP is a big part of their life. And then when they get older and they start uh, having kids, they'll pass it on to their uh, their kids, just like uh, your dad and grandfather did to you. That's That's the toughest part. I've said it for years. The fan base is dying out. You have to reinvent and introduce people to a team, a school, and a product that many have never been attending. They can't relate, but until they go, you know, they might go and say that they had the greatest time. You've got to try it out. So it's so uh, it's such an interesting subject. It really is. All right. Hey, do me a favor. Let's get a quick Sports Center, and then we'll come back with uh, Robert. And we'll take his call in a moment. Major League Baseball in the next year or two, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens.
1: Man, I, well, how how have you um, liked the automated system so far? In Fine. what you've seen. Yeah, I thought it the the response from last year was pretty solid.
0: Takes out the uh, the stupidity of Umps that uh, don't know the strike zone.
1: That's right, exactly. Takes uh, human error out of it.
0: It does. Which which, granted, so, hey, it's some of it. You know what? And, and here's the thing too. I I am shouldn't say this. I'm a little torn. Part of me likes the fact that there's different strike zones because you got to be able to adapt, right, and adjust. Unless the strike zone is ridiculous, which you'll know soon enough when you see balls and strikes. Some have a much wider strike zone. Some have a much more narrow. Some miss more calls than others. I don't know. There should be human element. I'm not necessarily sure that it's got to be the same location every single time for balls and strikes. That might drive me nuts. So, I don't know. At first, I thought it was great, but the more I think about it, you know what? I do like the fact that umpires have their own unique strike zones. It's what makes baseball baseball. Uh, but that is changing in a big way. Robert is next. He joins us at thirty-eight past the hour. Robert, how are you?
8: I'm good. And yourself?
0: Doing th- Doing fine. Robert, thanks for the call.
8: Yeah, I was just uh, calling because uh, about forty years ago, my my dad was uh, was friends with Bobby Joe Hill. He used to do uh, his mechanical work on his Mustang.
0: Oh, cool. And
8: uh, he lent us the the videotape of of the game itself, and we watched it. Of course, we gave it back to him. So I don't know if you might be able to reach out to Bobby Joe Hill's family, and maybe, maybe they might know something about that tape. Now, you say this was how long ago? This was 40 years ago.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this question, okay? When you watched that tape 40 years ago, Was it Uh silent, and was it shot from the very top of the arena?
8: You know what? I can't remember that much far back. I don't know if it was from the – because I remember watching Bobby Joe Hill uh, going down the, the court. I don't remember if it was on the top or if it was uh, or if it was from the side.
0: So here's my thing, okay that th- that copy has existed for well over 40 years. That copy's been around since the 66 game and okay. for forever it was silent and a bunch of people had it. But what they did in the last 15 years was add the audio to that, which then oh, okay. allowed you to have more of a real play-by-play you know game experience even though it was still the same uh, faraway film just without the uh, the announcers but you know what I will place a call to the hill family and I'll find out if they have the copy that everybody had or they're somehow without even realizing it holding the uh, the, the crown right. jewel
8: but I did but I do remember that it was silent though I think it was silent
0: That makes sense because that's the Okay so what they did so that is the tape that we've always seen since those days oh, okay. Okay. And what what happened was was that they 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 found online these one surviving call from a Kentucky announcer There were like three Kentucky announcers that night, by the way. That's how big they were. There were three different networks doing the game for Kentucky. But one of those was uploaded online, and what they did was they downloaded it, and they matched it and mixed it and put it together. So when you buy the DVD of the game, you'll actually see an HD restored version with that audio call matching the silent film you watched from the video standpoint.
8: Oh, okay, okay appreciate it robert all right well thank you um if you find uh, any more leads let me know okay
0: if you find any more leads we got to find out i appreciate you
8: all right all right thank you all right take care
0: one of these days we're going to find the holy grail i know it it's going to happen it has to let's go to chris he's next on the show 20 in front of seven o'clock as we get ready for our final countdown hey chris how are you
3: good steve thank you for taking my call
0: thank you for calling chris
3: Absolutely. Listen, I uh, I read Uteb Zay's article today. Uh, I am so impressed and, and proud of him for uh, for writing that. That uh, it just made me feel so good that you know the youth out there do care about Uteb.
0: Me too. Unfortunately, uh, it's the right now vocal minority. Uh, like Zay, let's be honest. The most of the uh, majority still is still not aware. But you're right. Zay's connected. Zay is passionate. Zay is, we need more of him. But the problem is, as he mentioned in his article, very, very few people, especially right now he's in high school, can relate to UTEP sports or even Don Haskins.
3: Correct. And, and you know, I, I have a daughter that uh, I, I love taking her to the football games, volleyball games, anything UTEP, because I'm trying to share with her what I went through when I was her age. I mean, I I go back to the 80s when the Don Haskins would sell out. I recall the game uh, we played Georgetown and we beat them. I mean, those were some great days that I would love to see again. So I'm trying to, you know, to give to her that knowledge and that, that pride that, you know, UTEP had and should still have. And yeah, it is sad to say that, yeah, some people probably don't realize how important Don Haskins is to this community you know um, so yes it's just it's great to know that they is has that spirit and i'd like for him to know that hey you know we, i'm trying I'm, uh, I'm i'm getting my daughter uh involved and, and and trying to get her to you know invite her friends to go to go to the game so you, we'll we'll get there but it it is unfortunate that we're no longer at, at that you know pride level that we used to be for 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 a myriad of reasons. I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why I'm with you. But the, but here's there. the
0: but here's the sad part, okay? And I hate to say this because I've lived and died with UTEP since I've been in El Paso. All right, uh, I have. But right now, the honest to God truth is that UTEP basketball, and you could even go so far as to say UTEP athletics in general. It's not relevant in the community right now. It's just not. And it hurts to say that. But you just go around town and it's not a topic that people want to talk about when you go see people around the community. And, and when you ask, the, the, you know, in the old, when we were growing up, that's all we talked about was UTEP hoops and, and UTEP sports. And that was it. We, that, was, that was the topic of discussion. It's not like that anymore. So the hard part for me right now is trying to get the fan base back and not just get them back, but more than anything, they have have to create a whole new fan base. And that is so difficult at this point in time because of all the different um, things that are competing for that entertainment dollar. But UTEP has got to find a way somehow to reinvent the wheel. True.
3: And, And let me ask you this. Steve, uh, because this one, this one bugs me. (laughs) So I I don't get to listen to your program too often, but it just so so happens that whenever I do, Mario Mocha is always on. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's great. I mean, he he represents NMSU so beautifully. How come I never hear our um, athletic director on your program?
0: Let me say this. Let me say this, Okay. First off, I haven't had Mario in a few weeks, and he hasn't returned my text. I'm not happy with him right now. Mario's on my, uh, Mario is on my, uh, on my list right now, and I'm upset with him. So, Mario, if you're listening, uh, you know you've been, you've, been, you've been bad to start this year. I'm not happy. But whenever we have him on, it's because he asks. He says, hey, can I come on? And I'm like, yeah, of course you can come on. Um, it's always been that way. Now, Jim Center has a standing invite. And when we've asked to have him on, he always accepts, always. But Mario comes on most of the time because he just says, "Hey, we got this to promote. Can we come on and do it?" Said, Absolutely, come on in, and he does it. So that's why Mario comes on the show all the time because he asks me. Um, Jim, we usually are the ones that ask. But when UTEP has reached out and said, can we, can we put Jim Center or Charlie Thrash or Sarah Tui or anybody on the show, we always say yes. We never, ever turn UTEP down. And when we ask, they will, um, you know, 99 times out of 100 always accommodate us. But unfortunately, to answer your question, it's just because MSU they're the ones usually asking us. Hope that makes sense.
3: Um, well, ho- hopefully, yeah, hopefully someone's listening, and you know, I, I, I'd love to yeah, hear from him more often um, because, gosh, I mean, just, I don't know. UTIP is just so full of great things, and, uh, I mean, we need to just promote it more and more. I, I really hope that we can get there.
0: Appreciate you, Chris. Thanks for the call.
7: Thank you, Steve. All right.
0: Wrap it up next. Sports Talk continues.